You're listening to YYFM. This content has been provided by Keep Cardiff Live. For more music news and interviews, visit keepcardifflive.com. So, uh, Boo Howardine, thanks very much for finding time to talk to us today. Because no I've been chasing you for a while because I really, really wanted to chat with you. No um, the first thing I picked up on looking through your bio from uh, boohowardine.net is the is the the bio from Ian Cripps, which was written I think in 2017. But what I like about it is as as it, it kind of works backwards. Yeah, which is which is kind of which which is kind of a kind of a nice way to do it. But there's so much info in there. He's a good, great writer as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's very good. I'd forgotten that one. Yeah, I should have a look at it again. Yeah, yeah it's a good read. Yeah. It's a good read for you, man. I don't. Yeah, I don't normally read my own books. It seems a bit big-headed. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, some. I mean, it's just it's just it's just a really particularly good one, you know. So I mean, yeah. some of them are yeah. just annoying, but it's, it's really really yeah. well written. Yes, um, I do remember. Yeah. To bring you down to our level, just to kick off. Um, what would you remember what your first guitar was? Uh, I think it was a Spanish guitar that was warped that my dad got me. So that didn't really help with my love of music. But the first proper guitar I had was a Fender Music Master, which uh, then I joined my first band. So, so I played electric at first. I loved that guitar. I don't know, it's gone now somewhere. But I remember the scratch uh plate broke and so my dad i was like pretty young my dad fixed it using a, a very liquid bottle <laughs> <Brilliant. Pizza style. laughs> good old dad yeah fantastic yeah and then uh after that my first hmm. acu- proper acoustic was uh a washburn which i gave to a friend of mine actually he still uses it and then i had takaminis and I think I had an ovation. I hated my ovation so much. I hated it that I it's the only time I've done a bit of a Pete Townsend when I could afford it. A good one. It's horrible. It sounded like it sounded like playing a cheese grater in it. Did it, you smash it? I did. I smashed. The only time I've done anything like that. But I, smashing an ovation is really good fun. I used to hate the way the the, the sort of lump at the back used to stick in your gut while you were trying to sing and all. I just hated it. Yeah. So you're not sorry. You don't have a whole wall of ovations, no i so. don't like ovations either i don't no. know why i just no. never never <laughs> never take them to them i think one of those one of those guitars you either like you either like them or, or you don't um so, so then then i i i had a few others but then i bought a j200 yeah. which i really liked nice which uh used to belong to brendan croker i remember that well then i had to sell that during another period of hardship I remember I sold to a man I was playing. Uh, I had another guitar by then. I sold it at, um, I met him in the car park at Glastonbury Festival, and he bought it for 1500 cash, which I really needed wow. for the old rent. And he still has it in his, in his, uh, in his sort of living room as a sort of, as a sort of decorative piece. He doesn't play. So sometimes, right. he, sometimes he sends me pictures of it, which doesn't make me feel great. <laughs> but then I, <laughs> But then I met this fella called Alistair Atkin, and uh, he's made all my guitars for me ever since. And Alistair's guitars are fantastic. And just hanging on the wall there, he made the last one, which is the fifth or sixth one he's made me. Hmm. It's a Boo Hewardine signature model made to my spec, and you can actually buy them. People buy them. So. It, it, would it be a real pain? Could we see it? Is it possible? Is it too much of a pain? Just, just yeah. sounds, sounds great. Just like the yeah, idea I'll, of, of I'll, seeing I'll, that I'll, guitar. That's all right. We can, we can. It's just quite exciting to bring guitar in tone, isn't it? We like seeing guitars. Yeah, always excited about seeing guitars. 
Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's lovely. And it's, so got, it's, a, it's got the Bible, one of the bits of Bible logo stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it records beautifully. Yeah. Is that, has it got electronics in it or is it just, just yes, it does. I've got a uh, LR bags. LR bags, yeah. Oh, no, no, not in this one. No, this is a home guitar. No, my live guitar. I don't think, I don't, no, this is just an acoustic guitar just for writing on. But the, uh, the, the ones I use live got have LR bags, M80s in them. And I put them through an Orchid preamp. Oh, like right. Uh, funny you should say that, because we were talking yeah. to, um, uh, I don't know if you know him, do you know a guy called Martin Joseph? Yes, I do know Martin. Yeah, yeah so Martin, you know, because he lives locally, we, we can't, I've known him, Martin, for for quite a long time, and he raves yeah. about the Orchid, the Orchid stuff. I've never heard of them before. Yeah. Incredible. Major, but the reason I first got them is I was playing, I used to have an LR Bags preamp, hmm. and I was playing a gig uh, near Exeter, and it, it blew up which is very not loud sound. And I said, oh, what am I going to do? So, said, well, there's a guy in Exeter, a retired teacher who makes, mm. um, so my first one he made for me while I sat and had a cup of tea. And they're, they're absolutely brilliant. They're the, easily the best ones. And they've got just two or three big knobs on them, not like loads of fiddly bits. And, and they sound mm. so transparent. So, yeah. With the Atkin guitar, M, M80, um, pickup and uh the orchid preamp it's a magic combination wow okay yeah. I, i'm gonna have to buy one now i think the one i'm looking yeah, at not expensive 200 quid i think it was one right? is it it was, it was a one it was under 200 last time i bought one but it might have gone up to but, yeah. they're, but they're so solid and they're great for gigs and they just you lots of people try lots of fancy ones and stuff but and oh. they, they 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 look quite um they look fancy but they just work you know. Yeah, I, I, I might even buy one turn. Do you hear that then? The wallet yeah, might, come out, well, might come out. I know it's rare, well, but it might. might I think come it's out. a likely we'll see as well, particularly at this moment in time. Really? I was, yeah. was going to ask you about you. You use like a, a blue acoustic as well. Yeah, that was um, that's that's Alistair as well. He made yeah. that. He mm. said, "Do you want me to make the guitar?" I said, "Yes, please." He said, "Do you mind?" I said, "What do you want to?" Can you make me a black one that looked like a sort of Johnny Cash one before? He said, "Do you want another black one?" I said, "No." What about blue this time? So he did that, and then he, it was in lots of guitar magazines and stuff. Um, oh, just a minute! I just need to to reply. Yeah. Are you familiar with Atkins guitars, Tom? Since you know a lot about no. guitars, no, no, but I definitely he, he's based. Because Martin Martin uses Loudons, you know. So we talk. We talk. Oh, they're great. They're great. Yeah. But there's, it's just Alistair's my friend, and yeah. it's great because when I first bought one from him, he was very not very well known. But people like he like uh, I don't know Dolly Parton uses him. Wow. Parton uses wow. him, and he's and he's just a really nice man. And I yeah. speak to him like just chat as a friend. Okay. Well, we've gone off talking about guitars, but we can, we, we, yeah. we, you know, it's just, just what we do. So sorry about that. But uh, get back onto, onto the track, I suppose. That arguably is the track. Yeah. Well, a lot of stuff I just found really interesting looking, looking back on uh, your, 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 your history, really. You know, you, you are an absolute music obsessive, clearly, aren't you? And self, self, self confessed obsessive, starting off in music yeah, stores and kind of working yeah, on I from am, there. Yeah. I am. Yes, I am. But I also think of it as my, trade you know it's what i keep the roof over our head with so it's like uh, i am but i really love 
going to work sort of thing. So that's what, even during lockdown, I've written albums with people. I've helped people produce things. I just really love making things happen. Yeah. And of course I love music, but I also love that. I, I just love the adventure of, of uh, and I, I do a lot of workshops where people come to me and mm. mentoring and then I help them get them going. And, and I find that amazingly, uh, rewarding and the person I'm speaking to Elaine Lennon I I've been helping her with her stuff and it's just a just when they when they first get played on the radio or something like that it's just a really nice feeling so yeah that's, that's probably drives me as much as the music itself to be honest. yeah we got I mean that's one of the things I'll come back to later on because we, we you know we both kind of write and um uh, a friend of mine who lives in Bali now who's mm. a guy who introduced me to your music by the way many years All ago right. He's got some questions for you about that kind of thing as well. Mm. Which is quite nice. We'll, we'll get the, add to that at the end, I suppose. Could you uh, just tell us a little bit about the early days of kind of getting into the music industry and uh, you know the, uh, from the Great Divide kind of days, really? Well, the first, yeah, that was, yeah, that was amazing because uh, I, I had a band when I, I before I left home when I lived in Cambridge. We were called Placebo Thing. No, we, we were good. We nearly, we nearly got signed to Virgin. Yeah. I went down to Virgin and the man said, we'd like to sign you. And we didn't have a manager and I was so young and naive. I, I just thought, oh, that's that's all right. And I don't think he even had my phone number or anything. So I, it's like, I, I'm such a twerp. So nothing ever happened with them. Hmm. But the drummer in that band was amazing. This guy called Dave Larkham and he comes into the story later. But then I, I, made, I went to London and I made a little demo tape on a five string guitar because one of the strings are bust and I couldn't yeah. afford a new string. And I sent it to various people. Uh, uh, to, uh, there was a label in Cambridge called Leisure Sounds, which is really just a bunch of friends. And I went to meet them and I, they were so complimentary about this little tape I'd made. I was 20, I think. Mm. And so I ended Sorry up playing, playing with them and that turned into the Great Divide and we got a, a deal very poor. I'm not sure we were the best band. I remember playing, it was years and years later, the album came out through a re-release label and playing it to my children and all of them laughing so hard. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I just turned in the, my, just turn in the notifications Ooh. off on my phone to send out in the hallowed that they're coming through in it. There's, go, go. My oh, breakfast just, is arriving. No, it's my lunch. My wife oh, just okay. brought me some lunch. Thank you, sweetheart. Very kind. Can we ask um, what's for lunch? Anything good at all? Yes, it's uh, it's a my, we we're vegans. Don't judge us. So, but she's a bit. She was a professor. She that was her business before she came to Glasgow. Oh and yeah. She made a a, a a curry curry pasty, and they're beautiful. So that's what I'm having for lunch. Wow, sounds good. Um, yeah, yeah we, we were talking. We were talking about. Uh, uh, kind of early days and, and getting in and you, you said about um i suppose the great divide comes out of that does it out of, out of that original band a little bit the placebo yes, it, 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 oh, no it's not the same people it's the people okay. from when i sent the tape all right it's me pinging now i don't know how to it's fine <laughs> too much pinging this is this is the world we live in isn't it it's oh, hell um you can edit them out uh yeah so that, that was me and three other fellows and we signed to a label a label called Wimp originally, which I never mm -hmm. thought was a good idea. A great name. And then, and then we we were lucky enough to be spotted and signed to a label called Ensign, which was run by the legendary Nigel Grange. Amazing that we met him. I mean, Nigel 
had signed people like when he was younger, like really young, signed people like Thin Lizzy and Rod Stewart and stuff like that. And then he'd had his own label, Ensign, originally had all the things like Boomtown Rats and stuff. And then he he rejigged it and we joined that second and then the third version of the label. And the third version was the great version where it had like Water Boys and Dale mm. O'Connor and stuff like that. And he's a fan, he's a fantastic man. And he's always in my mind when I'm working on music. He was such a hard taskmaster, but he's uh, mm. he died unfortunately a couple of years ago. But he was um, mm. he was a he, yeah. So that was great great divide. Ensign, nothing really happened. And then when that stopped, I started the Bible with a fella called Tony Shepherd, and it was just meant to be a little thing, and that grew into, you know, that we're getting signed to Chris's, and then amazingly signed to Ensign again. So I was on Ensign twice. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed with the Bible, I don't know whether I'm whether I'm wrong in thinking. Look, yeah. I looked through the number of labels at the Bible were almost like half a dozen different labels. Um, it was really Max, which is my friend, so I'm still friends with hmm. in Norwich, and I still speak to him two or three times a week. They're still it's the same guys because I put a lot of music that I make for other people through them. Hmm. And from Bax, we got signed to Chrysalis and um, uh, Ensign was a part of Chrysalis. So that was it, really. It's only two labels, really. Okay. Yeah. Um, but this, I mean, the songs that came out of the Bible, just to, I'll, just, I'll just tell you a story as well. well. Um, I told you my friend of mine introduced you to your music. <laughs> So uh, my one of my oldest friends, a guy called Colin Flynn, he was living in living in um, uh, London at the time, and he played me Cigarette Girls. Oh, cool! That was the first song I, I'd ever heard, actually. Oh, the, cool! From the Bible, and uh, in fact, he played it to me on his guitar and sang it to oh, me. Oh, sweet! <laughs> and I thought, what, oh, a what a great song, you know? That was amazing. We our second album, which was on Chrysalis, was produced by Steve Earle. Oh yeah, of course. And um, Steve. Hmm. We had a bunch of songs, and I, I was just playing a little thing in the studio. And he said, "What's that?" He said, um, well, "It's nothing yet." He said, "Well, yeah, write a song, and we'll record that tomorrow." And that's <laughs> so, so that's what happened. So I thought, "Oh God!" Wow, I stayed was up that, all, all was night that writing. Girls? Yeah, yeah. Wow, is it? Um, is it like a desus chord or something? You, you yeah, do, yeah, yeah, it is, hmm. and it's also. We just had a conversation with. Uh, I just had a conversation with uh, N Tony, who's the other guy originally before it grew. Who's a? He's an. Um, uh, although he played keyboards in the band, he was a jazz drummer, really, really good jazz drummer, really quite a well-known jazz drummer. But he just played keyboards in our band. But he was very, very uh, had lots of thoughts about music, and one of his big thoughts was the bit strongest change you can have in in a pop song is to go from the tonic to like to go from like D to A minor. So it's based around a conversation with him musically oh, yeah. as well. So um Yeah. It was it was totally written in a panic. <laughs> what was what was it what was it about lyrically? Because it's um you know is, is it like a personal song or is it you know did you have sort of lyrics? It was about, it was sort of about uh, very early on in our playing we played in a club in Norwich which I think was called the Jackard and it was kind of about there was a, sort of a couple of sleazy guys there hmm. hitting on the younger women. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was, it was, it was, that was the well, starting point. What yeah. a tenuous idea for a song. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, a great, and a great song, too. I mean, obviously, um, there were some pretty kind of big songs coming out from, from the Bible. And I'll tell you, yeah. maybe talk to you about one in particular, actually. Yeah. Uh, Grace, Grace, oh, Grace, Grace, I mean, it probably would be my 
uh, top charts, all time charts. You know, it's a oh, brilliant song. I love it. Thank you. Um, it, it didn't really have the credit, perhaps, in terms of chart positions, but I think um, people who are into music know it's a great song. Well, it's and, a uh, funny thing when uh, we, we occasionally reform, and when we do, they're always they're always incredibly well attended and be, be really emotional nights. So, hmm. of course, people will say, oh, you didn't do too well in the charts. and but actually, I, I kind of feel that we reach people. So I don't, mm. it doesn't, you know, I've done, I've done other things and been involved in other projects that have been in, in the charts and nobody remembers them at all. But it's, 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 you just want to be remembered, don't you? So it was never, we, we, we just felt like this is an amazing adventure because it started out with two fellas playing in a pub and then suddenly we were, so we, we, we never felt disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah, we couldn't quite believe our luck most of the time, you know. Yeah. So, the, the uh, song that Tony wanted to ask you about actually is not a song yeah. I know, know that well, but it, yeah. it's a song you love, isn't it? Tom? Yeah, it's well, and, and a, uh, my good friend as well, who's a the bass player in our band, that he's yeah. basically been friends for years, and we, we had a conversation about it. It's American TV, um, oh, thank uh, you. Uh, of a letter to my younger self, and, mm. and actually, my friend Tony did message you, and you, you were kind enough to send. The chords to him to the song. Oh, cool! I, um, I can basically, I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he sort of put me onto it, and um, I mean, obviously, like, you, you know, it, it means a lot to people of a certain age. I think you know, it's mm. got that connection. It's obviously the Beach Boys kind of feel to it, but also like when I was a kid, and I, I know when he was a kid, it, the TV, you were just drawn to all the American images, California stuff. Totally. Like that. that whole um, album was kind of really. I wanted to be. I've never been nostalgic. I thought, why don't I just been I lived in I come from a really boring part of North London and left as soon as I could, but I was just trying to evoke that mixture of the dullness of suburbia mixed with the magic of what was coming through the telly at you. So that was what that was about. Well you definitely got it. It seems to resonate <laughs> obviously with people of sort of my age. Yeah. Uh, uh, when it, it was kind of a time when everything about America was big and exciting. Um, yeah. How do you feel about America present day and <laughs> is is there going to be a song about it <laughs> how do you do that yeah I mean I've got my my really good American friends who I speak to musicians and like whatever they're um, they're they're really worried so hmm. let's see yeah there might be a song at some point but it's just it, it, it just, it, yeah, they're just worried in a way that I've not seen them worried before, you know. No, no, you can understand it. But, yeah. you know, I just think uh, it's one of those songs that really depicts that era and um, it just sort of, like I say, resonates with people. Well, thank you. And they're trying to do that with the music as well, the Beach Boys hmm. thing and those chord changes your friend asked for, the, the chord changes that you don't hear so much anymore those sort of no. but you used to so that was it was uh, it was so much fun making that whole album because i made it in the same way as i used to with the very first band the great divide in that we although we had a studio at our disposal disposal we made it as a, as though they were demos or that mindset like it's hard to describe so i would quite a lot of the songs on that record i would write them in the morning coming to the studio and by the early evening we'd have the finished thing so they're incredibly spontaneous and i did that on purpose not all of the songs but um i think american tv was one of the ones where i just sort of 
wrote something in the morning, recorded it, and then. But my most, my favourite thing about the whole of that song is the little piece of music at the beginning because it's just started, and I thought, I think it needs more than this. And I have this genius friend called Gustav Lundgren who lives in Copenhagen, who's really like my go-to person when I want to do something a bit unusual musically. And I said to him, I spoke to him, I rang him up, he was in the park with his daughter. Um, and I said, I want you to write me something that could have been a theme tune off American 60s, American 60s theme tune, something a bit like Bewitched or one of those you know, comedies that used to come up and you didn't know what they were. Yeah, I know. And he, and he said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So he's in the park with his daughter, right? An hour later, an hour later, the finish, the finished thing where he's playing bass, drums, guitar, piano, flute, an hour later it arrived. Wow. Said, Brilliant. <laughs> I, think, I think his daughter's playtime was curtailed. <laughs> I kind of pick up on that, actually, in the, in the way you do stuff. And maybe, I don't know, we'll come back onto the songwriting uh, kind of uh, workshop stuff later on yeah. again. But I, I think that's something that excites you, the idea of, you know, uh, taking something and making it work with a kind of a sense of immediacy. Yes, totally. It, it's really hard sometimes when you make music is that you can't let everybody hear it right away. So I've got my, I do that a little bit because I set up a Patreon to do that. Yeah. But um, like I've got, um, I've been commissioned to write a Christmas song or a film. And I did, and I've done it. And it's, I'm working on it. I was working on it uh, first thing this morning. Hmm. Um and I'm so pleased with it. I want people to hear it, but I'm not allowed to let people hear it. And that, that really bugs me. <laughs> is that, is that, a, that that's a film that's going to be coming out? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's meant to come out this Christmas. I don't know if uh, right. it will, but it, 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 it's an interesting thing. It's called A Christmas Call, and it's, it's the Christmas Carol retold, an American film retold through Zoom. So that's what it is. Okay. Um, so I don't know if it'll be relevant next Christmas, so... Well, no yeah, who knows? Who knows what will be relevant next Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Going. Um, mm. Interestingly, with with, with uh, you know we with with the Bible, uh, when you if we look at the Bible and you, you Google mm. it or Spotify or whatever, it brings up you know uh, Danny Wilson uh-huh. and uh, Gary Clark. And I think are you quite friendly with Gary? Have we got kind of a mutual yeah. respect for each other? I guess the best buddies. Yeah, I was in his band for a while after I had a bit of a hole came along and he said, will you be in my band? And we toured together. I, I, I love Gary. He's so, I'm so pleased for him. He's so successful these days with his soundtrack music and so yeah. forth. He's, um, he's, he's amazing. And one of the big things about being here in Scotland, we thought we'd hang out together loads, but we haven't been able to because of the COVID. Because I've was, no. I was, I've been here for a while, but I was touring, touring, touring. But I have... um. A, um I wrote a, 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 I wrote a song that's on my last album in his in his front room while I was waiting for him to get up. <laughs> Brilliant. He lives in Dundee, I think, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. In, so, I don't know how far away that is from Glasgow. Not very actually. far. Not very far. It's about an hour on yeah. the train. But Brotty Ferry, he lives in the fancy bit, which is beautiful. We, we interviewed him on, on here uh, a while back, and uh, that was absolutely fantastic as well. That was really Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's a great fellow. He yeah. really is. And we, there was a sort of camaraderie because the Bible and Danny Wilson were sort of doing something a little bit similar by accident. And then there was this article written in Time Out that hmm. paired us together. It was like a big article saying we were doing this 
thing. And um, yeah, we met up and been friends ever since. He came, like, he came to see us when we were playing in town and country or something like that. And, uh, yeah. Been, yeah. I wonder what that thing is. Because like when I listened back to to some of your stuff, admittedly last night, because I haven't heard it for a while, mm. um, I, I don't know. I just just talk from talk from the heart sort of thing. There's I was saying to Tony about it earlier. There's a kind of an emotional intelligence to to the stuff and a depth yeah, to maybe. it, which you don't really see very much. Certainly, sorry, just like an old git, but you don't really see a much around popular kind of culture chart stuff these days. And I think mm. the same with Danny Wilson. There's there's a there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's layers there's layers to the stuff, you know. Yeah, that was. We had all the same, a lot of the same reference points, a lot of the same reference points. And I, when I worked with Gary and we produced things together, it was always, um, we both knew what the other person was thinking. And we'd just have a, yeah, oh. we both liked Nielsen. And at the time, no one particularly talked about Nielsen. Do you know what I mean? Things that yeah, existed, yeah. Was different, different, different reference points to the, although, you know, which is their fantastic, genius, wonderful Velvet Underground. But that was the reference point that all the other, all our pals, and I love them as well, but huh. we were also liking the Randy Newmans and the Nilsons and all that stuff. Yeah, he's, he's again, he's, he's a real music fan, isn't he, Gary? You know, kind of, oh, run, yeah. kind of run, runs runs through him. Yeah. Um, one of the songs, which is, is, is a bit of, I don't know whether anyone said this to you before, but um, Crystal Palace. Mm -hmm. um Kind of reminding me a little bit of Lloyd Cole kind of territory. Would that be a terrible thing to say? Oh, that's Neil's fault. Neil McCall's guitar part. I remember at the time saying, "Yeah, hang on a minute, Neil. That sounds like sounds like Lloyd Cole." <laughs> so it wasn't in the song originally. No. Yes, it is the guitar part actually. Now you, <laughs> now you say it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is nothing wrong with that in my eyes. You know. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But I said, I think you've lifted that. McCall, so. we've been busted thirty years later. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, I don't know. I, I went to see him recently, actually, went, um, uh, about less than a year ago in Guildford, and he's, st he's still he's still a great great performer, oh, great songs, brilliant. you know. Yeah, he really really good. Yeah, really I always good. I always had it in my mind, totally incorrectly, which one surprised Tony. I thought there was something Scottish about you. I know you're, you're in you're in Glasgow now, but because of kind of your association with Eddie Reader and the McCalls and all that, you know, I just thought maybe. Well, the, you're... one of the reasons I've moved to Glasgow is that I realised that the last thirty years I was spending nearly as much time in Glasgow as at home. So as Eddie lives here, there's a guy called Finley Napier who lives over there who I do a lot of work with. There's yeah, and my friend Mark Freegard is a wonderful producer engineer that I work with all the time. There's Jill Jackson who's who I produce. It's like. Um, Chris Drevo, I love Chris. And I was just, I was just spending so much time here and I loved it. And every time I came to Glasgow, I realised I really loved it. And I, my wife came up and she loves it. And so we we moved here and it's the best thing we've done, you know. Well, is, is Glasgow kind of a special place, do you think, musically? Has it got a kind of musicality and kind of, you know, it's part of its soul sort of thing? Maybe. The thing that really always struck me is that, um, that that there's a real sense of people helping each other out and the studio that i used to work in all the time which is mark freegard's studio hmm. by pure happenstance we me finley napier chris Strieber, and a brilliant bass player called ewan burton we've taken it over so we've we've got a space in and, and the whole point of it was to keep the thing going that i always notice people just popping in I and mean, it's difficult at the moment but popping in and sharing their projects and stuff. And I used to love that. Whereas when I was down 
especially working in London, everyone's like little separate gangs and very protective, but everyone's very open. And I think that, that breed bleeds into it. So yeah. it's, it's just fantastic music being made all the time here, you know, so. And, you know, ne never have we needed that no. working collaboration kind of openness more than now, have we, you know? And that's my whole day. Every day is doing things like that. I, I've written of the things I've done, the thing I'm was, I'm trying to help get released. That's what I was doing. Just that's why I was, a, uh, uh, the meetings got bumped up. Whereas I made an album, uh, or written an album with a guy called Adam Holmes. Mm. And it's uh, a Neil McCall by pure coincidence. I didn't produce it. I produced a lot of records, but someone else produced it. And Neil McCall, who was in the Bible, the guy who ripped off Lloyd Cole, he's uh, <laughs> he's playing on it. And, and in the whole of the, the whole time I've been doing music, it would be and Neil was saying that it's, it's in the top five of things I've ever done. I mean that wouldn't wow. have happened if I wasn't here. So you know. So you you got to know the other McCall family, I guess. Did you? you I did. Yeah. In various ways, yeah. Well, Callum was in the band as well, hmm. who's Neil's brother. Hmm. Um, I knew Kirsty a little bit. She was always really nice to me when I was, because I was dead shy if I was a, like some sort of um, benefit gig or something. She'd always come over and make sure I was okay. I liked her. It was really, and also we all thought she was the best songwriter of her generation. We all did, yeah. you know. And um, then there's there was also Kitty, Kitty, who's a brilliant singer, but decided not to decided not to go go in for showbiz and then there's Neil's son Jamie who's Bombay Bicycle Club and Callum's son's a jungle so they're, wow. they're, yeah they're amazing and I know Peggy I saw Peggy in January she did a gig with Neil and Callum at uh, um, the big festival here in the winter called Celtic Connections it was, she's in her 80s and it was brilliant absolutely brilliant gig so that all goes back to Ewan, I guess, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. who's left us now, but we used, yeah, to, yeah. We, used, we used to rehearse, do acoustic rehearsals in, in their flat and stuff oh. like that. So, yeah, an amazing... Incredible, yeah. a family dynasty of, you know, such... Yeah, there was one point when all three generations, Peggy, Neil and Jamie, were all on tour at the same time a couple of years ago. You don't get that in any other family. So. Not very often. Um, <laughs> The other person we interviewed just recently, who turned out actually to be the most popular podcast we'd, we'd ever done, pure audio one, uh, was uh, Linda Thompson. Oh, yes. And of course, you know, and I know you toured with Richard, so maybe we'll come onto that in a bit. But well, Linda Thompson, Lin again, Lin it's a family thing there, isn't it? Well, Linda Thompson is, uh, well, she's Linda Thompson's friends with my wife on Facebook. They speak to each other all the time. Yeah. Linda I've met, I've only met I've only met Linda twice. She speaks to me sometimes, but I met her twice. I met I, I was she was being produced by John Wood one time, and John Wood produced two of my records. You know John Wood, who did um, Squeeze, but also did Nick Drake's record. And she, I went. It was a, it was a round roundhouse, I think. And she was uh, she was listening to uh, Van Dyke Parks has sent an accordion piece over to put on her record. That felt. That was a really brilliant morning. And wow. She was, and she was very, very excited. That's what I remember. Yeah. Which is lovely. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see her because we had a bit of a technical situation, mm. but she just was a fantastic interview. You know, yeah, um, I mean, you, you'd yeah. probably find it interesting, but if you had a look on the site, it's on, it's on there. But she's, she's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So I was very lucky to, to with Richard as well. He's, I think he had me on first. So he took especially good when he came on. You know. <laughs> he was. Not he's a bad a, guitarist, is he? He was all right. He, he's all right. I, I gave him some tips, but he was, um, 
No, it was really a real adventure. My favourite tour with him was touring in. Uh, we toured in Holland, and we stayed in the same place every night because it was so, so uh, such a small country. Except yeah. we did one gig, which was in Maastricht, which is still in Holland, but it's down a little corridor, and it was a all the all of the gigs have been clubs and sold out and absolutely amazing i used to watch it every night which is not often when you're going on before someone mm. you, you sort of naff off after you've done your bit and get some tea but i just used to watch them every night i loved it but we went down to maastricht and uh, it was a different promoter and this is the importance of promotion is uh, it was a, one of the most beautiful theaters i've ever been in three thousand seater theater and when we got there, there there wasn't a poster like the other um the other promoter had had up it was, it was it, there was a sort of um photocopied thing stuck on the door of this huge theater just saying tonight richard thompson and bob purity which i'd added in <laughs> uh, and and three thousand seater yeah uh, six tickets sold there there were six punters in. whoa and you think i'm the support i mean you're the sport half the people are in the bar so you know blimey at the end of my first song, because it's all the lights, I couldn't really, at the end of my first song, I just heard this sort of like that. And I thought <laughs> I, I thought it was my thought it was my tour manager slapping the promoter's face, you know. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I'm familiar with those kind of gigs, but I'm surprised you went through. <laughs> it's the importance of good promoters. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, six six punters. Is it your cat meowing or is it mine? It might be yours. I have got I have a cat, but I can't. I'll just check out the cat situation one second. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't have a cat, so it's not my cat. So. Yeah. There's a lot of meowing. No, no, it's not mine. No, it must be. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's around your place somewhere. But um, it might be. I can't see her in the room. Is it bothering you? No, 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 oh, at all. I just thought my cat was trying to get in and was going to probably jump up on on the table as it normally does. Yeah. Um, Eddie Weeder. Okay, oh, yes. so um, and you know the kind of collaboration stuff that you've done with Eddie Weeder over the years, mm. and you're still you know intermittently when when possible touring. So, what should what should take on Eddie Weeder as a kind of a, a performer and a musician, and you know? Well, I've been working with her for over twenty five years. She's she's uh, my biggest musical adventure of my life. She's amazing. Every night we do a gig, she amazes us. We're like the band looking at each other because she doesn't. We don't rehearse like other bands. She just. Hmm. gets up there it doesn't give us set lists often we just get out there and start and it's uh if she's on on it it's just the most trans transcending sort of experience it's wonderful absolutely brilliant she can sing she's just the best singer she's an incredible entertainer i mean it's funny because a lot of people think about her hit a hundred years ago but there's a whole new thing she did there particularly for younger people we, we did this album about um well, I don't know how long ago it is. The same a few years ago, obviously. Um, uh, uh, of, of Robert Burns songs, and she's got this whole other audience who don't even particularly aware that she ever did the. I think that is mine. If she's out there. Ever did did Fairground Attraction or anything? So it's. Um, yeah. I, I, and I love it. I love it when we go and play to a new audience or abroad somewhere for the first time, and just mm. everyone being gobsmacked by her. So she, I feel so lucky to have met her. Did you say she's from Glasgow or is she? She is, yeah, she's from yeah. Glasgow. She lives, oh. I haven't I haven't seen, I've only seen her once since we moved here just because of various reasons. I've seen her when we've been playing. We, we mm. normally do a tour every February in, in um, Ireland, but I don't suppose that'll happen now. So yeah. that, that was the next, but we've, um, she's a wonderful person. 
really, really wonderful person. And the whole atmosphere of the band and the people who work with her and everyone who surrounds it, it's, it's the most, it's a beautiful family. It's wonderful. So you've mentioned so many people who live in Glasgow. So in my mind now, I'm thinking, you know, um, maybe next summer when things are a bit normal, what a great barbecue that would be, you know? It would be, Take yeah. guitars around, a bit of a sing-song. Oh yes, there's always a, always a sing song around um, her. She 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 can do a barbecue, yeah. Yeah. She so um, yeah. We've been I've been so lucky to have met her, and um, mm. I don't know what it is. Twelve albums or whatever tours all over the world. Wow. And, and always, always, incredible laughs and fun and yeah. She 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 she's she's beyond other nearly any other performer I've ever seen when she's on. So. She's got a, just a ridiculously good voice, hasn't she? It's a great voice, incredible storyteller. Yeah. Incredible way of reaching out to people that sort of transcend sort of records mm. and so forth, I think. So, yeah. You co-wrote you, you co quite a bit of stuff with her, I think, did you? With Patience of Angel Springs to Mind, would that be one of them? Well, I wrote that by myself, yeah. thank you very okay. much. I was very myself. sorry. Apologies to no help. No help at all. Not even from the cat. No. Oh, no, I wrote lots of stuff for her. Loads yeah. and loads, but... but she she selfishly married a good songwriter a few years ago, yeah. so he writes some of them now as well. That's no good. That's John Douglas from the Trash Can and Sinatra. So. Oh, I love that band. Yeah, yeah. they were, they were yeah. a Scottish band, weren't they? Yes, her brother is the singer. Yeah, I, I really like that band. They right. never got anywhere near the success they, they needed. Oh, amazingly, they're still they, they're still together and they do amazingly well in America. They, they good tour twice a year in America, and once a year in Japan, they, and they make. They're still making brilliant records. So, um, oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, I, I just I got the they had really nice artwork on the albums of our, of our member as well, which I quite liked. Yeah. Um, the, the gig that Tony came to see see you at, another, uh, one of the gigs that he saw you at, was when you played with uh, Chris Difford, and that was yeah. I think was it Tony Woolway? Did you go with Tony Woolway Tom, for that one? The two of you in that church? Uh, yeah, yeah. In uh, it was an unusual gig, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It's sort of based on Chris's book his hmm. biography autobiography and yeah we actually wrote scripts for that which we we never did but we'd spent ages writing a script which we ignored because we were <coughs> rebels and um it was yeah brilliant we did that eventually that became a, a show in edinburgh which we did it was fantastic to be in the same place and not have to drive from gig to gig so every night or every afternoon it was we had our spot and we go and it was just wonderful i love working working with chris we're gonna we've done three albums together we, we're just about to start the fourth one mm. and the way it works with chris which is unlike anybody else is he he sends me lyrics and then asks me to turn it into a song so he doesn't although he can play and sing obviously he just doesn't get involved in writing the music so it's like a a total gift as a songwriter he's done all the hard work he's done all the sums yeah I just come up with a tune and it just uh we've got a lovely concept for the next set of things we did the third record we did was we wrote a musical together which will never be seen and it nearly killed me writing it had 26 songs in it but you can it's called what did you call it he called it fancy pants it wasn't called that at first but it's a hmm. the amount of work that's the hardest most work i've put into anything ever in my life and i think only like four people have ever heard it but you can why, why will it, it never happen? Do, do, is there not a chance? Well, unless you feel like investing in our musical. <laughs> I think you picked a, a slightly, <laughs> a slightly <laughs> poor investor here. Yeah. Not the best choice of investor. 
I, I was going to. I think fifty or sixty k should get us off the ground. <laughs> I'll have a word with my wife. She's off Dan Algies at the moment. I'll ask him when she comes back. Yeah. But, uh, Chris Difford. Um, I mean, those, those stories. I just. I don't know how you'd answer this, but you know, the, the kind of stories that kind of go with those songs. I suppose he's very witty. But I guess you do you get to hear the same stories a lot. What, you know, when you're doing that with Chris, or does he vary it? How does it work for you? Because you guess you're there listening to it, aren't you, I suppose? Oh, yeah, it does vary, but not that much. I mean, it's like being in a play. It would be fine. To yeah, you. I suppose it's so, yeah. Like, it's like, oh, my God. It's like, like you're doing Shakespeare. You don't know, oh, God, he's saying the same to me. Or not to me again. It's like, you just, it's, part of, it's part of your job. But yeah. the thing is that I did used to try and make him corpse all the time. That was my... <laughs> I, that, I felt that was my job, to try and make him lose track and... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've never met him, but I imagine he's a really interesting guy to work with. Though. He is very great songwriter as well, isn't he? Amazing he is very good. He's an incredible man. To, he's very, he's genuinely eccentric, and I feel very lucky and privileged to have him as a pal. Because obviously, when I'm watching Squeeze on top of the box when I was a yeah. kid and stuff, mm. it was, um, it was really brilliant. One of yeah. the, the, the only time my old man, who's left us this year sadly, was he Sorry. burst into my room. And ripped a record off the turntables and I was playing Call for Cats and I'd played it like 17 times in a row. <laughs> and he it's purple vinyl as well. And he ripped it off the turntable and he threw it in the bin and said, I never want to hear that ever again. Yeah. Um so about five years ago, me and Chris played uh, near where my dad lived and he came mm. along and I looked at the audience and saw him clapping along to Call for Cats. <laughs> so I realised my entire life had been revenge for that single. You know? I think I've got that copy. <laughs> that copy, it was pink vinyl, I think. Is it pink, it's not purple? Pink. Yeah, I still got it. I, I did the same. Well, just like I say, his book is brilliant. If, yeah. if uh, yeah. people get a chance to read his book, he's just it's got just, such a yeah. great way with lyrics as well, hasn't he? It was such, such a good way of writing. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit at uh, Boo about, about songwriting, about the songwriting retreats. We mentioned it earlier. Yeah. One of the first names that come up, comes up there for me, I'm sure you've got lots of examples of this, Tanya Britton. Oh, yeah, I know Tanya, yes. And Tanya is, in fact, in many ways, the one I like to talk to people about because when she came to me, she had no idea what she wanted to do or even the style or how to finish the song ideas that she had. And it was a one particular conversation I had with her which I always spend time with people and see what they want to do, what their bucket list is. Hmm. And, we, and we kind of achieved it. And she formed the changing room and and she got someone else to be the singer, which was what she wanted to do. Though she's got a lovely voice and got a new album that has coming out now. She's got a lovely voice, but she decided. So it's Sam Kelly, I think his name was, the, the singer, fantastic singer. And they toured, they went all over the place. I mean, it fell apart for strange reasons, not musical, but they, it went all over the place with it. And uh, there was at one point she was doing a tour and she was playing bigger venues than me. And uh, I, I, had to, I had to put a stop to that. So, you know. <laughs> Going too far. Yeah, but that's the whole reason with, with my workshops is it's not, a lot of workshops are like, let's pretend to be a tree today or something like that. It's not really like that. Mine are really... I get really into the nuts and bolts of it and just give people sort of tools to help them. Because I don't think you can teach people to have ideas. Or no. You can't, but you no. can definitely help them realise them. So that's the thrust of what I do. So, so that songwriting workshops, I've never been to one. I know, I think Martin does something like that as well. I think Martin Joseph, we mentioned earlier, and it, it, I just find it a really fascinating idea. So 
how many people would typically be involved in it? Would it well, be... the one my which I haven't been able to do this year and probably won't be able to do next year. My favourite ones are with my American friend Darden Smith, and he comes yes. over from Texas and he has run them for songwriting with soldiers, which so he brings this real sort of uh, that side of it. That it's almost like, it, it, as well as being about songwriting, it's, it, you realise that people get to be away for a week and be very uh, vulnerable and expressive, which they might not have done before. And he, he's really good at looking after them, but I, I have no feeling, so he covers that. And then, <laughs> but uh, it, there'll be up to, up, I, ideally about 14 people. It's always more popular than that. And sometimes we do two, so it's two sets of 14 or, or more one time it was two sets of 20 which nearly killed me but it's um and 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 you go my favorite place to work is in scotland actually it's a place called moniac moor which is scotland's creative writing center it's a beautiful place i'm really good friends with them there mm. and it's a perfect environment and we just i just i work people really hard and um it's it's really important that it's not teaching people to write songs it's like you, do you realize if you did this and then this you might get to where you want to get to quicker because it's always, you can't, if people don't have it inside them or then want to be creative or don't have ideas, that that's a non-starter. But you can definitely, and then definitely yeah. with Tanya, is like talking about structure and all sorts of about arrangement, all those sort of things. And, and it, work, it works. And it happened, it's happened several times. There's a really brilliant young guy called Dara Cullen who calls himself D. Cullen. He came when he was 17 and just a year ago he had a song called All Right that was like number one in Ireland and stuff like that. And it's like, I'm still, that is why I do it because to help people realize what's already inside there. So, that, yeah, so that uh, I'm thinking about, I was talking to um, that friend of mine earlier and he was talking about um, chord inversions. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was wondering whether you know we like and looking for inspiration for, for for writing do you play with funny tunings you know do you use strange tunings and that takes you into other territories do you do that yeah kind of stuff? sometimes yeah i do sometimes and i love I, there's a i really love playing through real books just to learn jazz sequences and stuff like that yeah i love doing that just to see how you can get from a to b uh but as as of late i don't really write on my guitarist quite as much i've got a piano and i oh I, yeah i kind of my thing and it's become more and more as I do it is melody first and then fit the chords around it. So I did, um, mm. and that's a lot has come from working with folkies who will often give me a melody and say, you know, what can you do with that? And then I'll, I might harmonize it. And so it's, it's just, I, I thought I love the, the Bible was all about chords and I know I have to know all the chords working with Eddie or whatever, because you, you just have to jump on the spot. It's but I just I just become quite obsessed with melody first at the moment. Yeah, you know? that's that's that's, that's, that's I've not spoken to a songwriter actually who's, who's said that before. Maybe it's yeah. obvious to you, but just well, it, I tell you what, it partly came from my friend John Kelly, who's a producer, hmm. who, uh, and he, he he worked for Paul McCartney for a long time, and he said I asked him how does Paul McCartney write songs. He said. And this isn't why I do it, but it's just interesting. He just said, "Oh, he always—it's always—he always comes in with a snatch of melody before he picks up his guitar, mm. and it's really good." And I, in my workshops, I encourage people to do that. And sometimes, um, mm. sometimes people come up with things they didn't know were in them because if we play, if we start with the chord sequence, mm. we're immediately trapped in in a, in a little harmonic prison, aren't we? Yeah. 
So our melody has to fit to the chords. That's true. Chord, chords are meant to fit to melodies. So, <laughs> so, so in the in in the songwriting workshops, so I'm just really interested in what you're talking about here. Is um, do people sort of you know will someone say can I hum you a tune or something? Is that kind of how it works? Say again, sorry. Would somebody yeah. say can I can I hum you a tune? Yeah, sometimes there's yeah. lots of different things, but there's also there have been people who one of the biggest success stories. For me has been a guy who could not sing could not play and his lyrics kind of didn't always make sense but he had this determination and uh he formed this band which is not really a band the first record was i was on it green pole was on it all, all different people helping him with his lyrics and uh they're now on their third well the second album proper it's not out yet and they're called simon and the astronauts he's called simon wells and um my son is in fact writes the music for that and they've it's, wow. they've made this album it's, oh, it's amazing they've mm. got rachel hayden is the singer in on this record and she she sang with weezer and beck and Todd wow. it's a, it's a and they've made this thing and it exists because simon had ideas he couldn't really play he couldn't really sing he couldn't even write in meter. I talk a lot about meter and lyric and stuff. And I, I st he still comes to me with help when he's written a lyric. But the ideas are always the central idea, the nugget at the beginning are always really great. And these people want to work with him yeah. because he has great ideas. So it's it's great, all chord stuff, melody stuff, all that stuff. But it's ultimately it's about ideas, I think. I mean, yes. So, but the thing is, my son just so happens to write really great tunes to his his his, um, his lyrics. So, I it, it, I always think you need a good melody at some point, but it doesn't yeah. mean you can't be a good songwriter. You know, if you if you if you're just coming up with the ideas. So, apologies for asking so many questions, but I just really interested in in, in, in talking to you about this stuff. Um, yeah. What you're saying there reminds me a little bit of uh, Ian Jury with the Blockheads. You know, yeah, totally. You know, these poems and stories and whatever, and then that's totally. Yeah, totally. And yeah, he, but he was in, innately an incredibly musical man, but but it was it was the magic of putting him with Charles Jankel that made those astonishing, really astonishing records. You know, yes. whereas Kilburn the High Roads were great, but that's a total other level when you got to New Boots and Panties, isn't it? So yes, yeah, well, one of the best albums ever, actually. I yeah. think. but there you are. Produced um, by produced by Eddie's ex manager, um, what's his name? Oh, Peter, 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 Peter. Peter. Oh, he used to manage um, Pink Floyd. It's gone. You'll look it up. Anyway. We'll Google it in a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just to talk to you a little bit about Brooks Williams. Pete, Pete uh, Jenner. Sorry. Well done. Pete Jenner. There we are. Brooks Williams. Yes. It's me and Brooks are State of the Union. Yeah. I, 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 just, I, sound, I sound so I sound such a social butterfly when you talk about what I do. It doesn't feel like it. It's I'm amazing what stuff you've done. It's incredible. I mean, it's just yeah. difficult to nail it down to you know. I, I just so much stuff to talk about. But yeah. I watched your performance on the Andrew Marr show, right? So um, when you when you did when you did Rent, yeah, yeah. And firstly, just to say to you, I absolutely. I, I hate Pet Shop Boys, right? I can't, <coughs> I can't, they're one of my pet hates, if you excuse the pun, yeah? yeah. But I like what you said when, when, when he kind of interviewed you briefly before, and you said about this idea of taking a song and then and then kind of bluesifying it and taking it in a different direction. Because I really liked your version of it, but I can't stand the Pet Shop Boys. It's kind of well, the, this comes from a conversation really early with, to go back to that guy, Nigel Grange. He said, whenever you do a, a first album, 
he used to plant these things in my mind. He said, it's a good idea to do a cover so you people can hear what you can do with someone else's song. So mm. I said that to Brooks and, and he said, yeah, let's do it. And I said, let's do the most, let's, let's go as far away as we can from, from what we do. And we thought of loads of them. In fact, we did a whole album of covers. That was our last album, uh, yeah. which is called Saltwell Sessions. Uh, but it was my wife's idea to do that because it's actually the the, the song itself is in the lyric is is and the it's a, it's a beautiful song. It's a really touching song. And so, I might for me, songs aren't arrangements, you know. Uh, so we we gave it a different arrangement. It's still the same song. Yeah. So that, that that's really key to me when i write songs for people and they say how shall i do it i say that's your that's totally up to you do whatever you like to and i like to hear what people do and take it into totally different territories and stuff like that yeah so, it was it was a great and he, i mean he's a, he's a wonderful player isn't he brooks amazing yeah but he's a, obviously he's a wonderful guitar player i think he's the 54th best guitar player in the world according to one particular poll <laughs> which is uh, not to be sniffed at but the thing that one of the other things i really love about working with brooks uh are two things one is his sense of timing his fantastic sense of timing but he's got a beautiful beautiful voice as a as a male voice in the yeah. studio when we got into the studio and we first i first heard him in front of a, a Mike, he he has an exquisite voice. He really does. So that that to me, with the new record that we're working on, which we've been writing during lockdown, is much more centered around the two of us singing together, like like a bit, a bit like Everly Brothers type thing. Oh, that sounds great. When yeah. when when's that due for release? Well, there's a single coming out. I think it's out next. It's on the thirtieth, the first single, which is a lockdown single, which is called Why. It's called Why Does the Nightingale Sing? That's on Reveal. And then we've got another one coming out, which my son came up with the title. He's forgot it was Solitaire for Two, which is a brilliant title. So that's the second one. But the album itself, we're not going to, we're going to wait till we can get into the studio, the one I mentioned that is in Glasgow and do it live because that's what we like doing best. So we've, we've done it okay during lockdown, like ping, ping ponging tracks to each other and they sound great and, and really happy with them. But there's nothing like being in a room with in playing music you know well we, we can try and coincide the interview going out around that the 30th for that's for music yeah yeah, yeah it's cool yeah yeah I, it, yeah I think it's on Bandcamp at the moment or I could send you I don't know if I've got a if I've got a version of it like, yeah that'd be great is there a, a video for the single at all or well I made I made a video because hmm. uh no one else wanted to do it and I, I don't think I'm gonna be winning any Oscars for it, but I'll send it to you if you <laughs> if like. You want, if it's of use to you, I'm sure it'll be yeah, great. Yeah, I will do. Yeah. But don't judge it too harshly. Remember it's uh, look at the look at the, the the thickness of my lenses. I don't hope you're not expecting anything too visually amazing, you know. Talking talking about and and I don't misinterpret this now because you you know, you've got a characterful face, right? Somebody like Steve Earle, okay? Yeah. It's also a, a, an absolute character and hard, he is hardly the epitome of the kind of good-looking front man kind of thing he kind of what are you he, trying to say here what, <laughs> i don't know what, you, what, just, the, what the hell are you trying to say he's a, he's in, a in short, our guest you, you <laughs> say, 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 when you were when you were ringing bells at notre dame <laughs> <laughs> No, what I was saying is Steve Earle is one of my he Steve Earle's one of my heroes to catch Hero. Steve to be honest, yeah. when Steve was a young I man. Steve Earle, you know. But when he was a young man, he was a very beautiful young man, if if, if I may say well, so. He did a lot of drinking and stuff. Did, yes, yeah. but this is this is uh, I have no this just I've, the I've just achieved it by myself. It's just but, terrible. This reminds me of when 
you see, the problem with the band is like I, mm. I, I used to think I was I looked okay. My wife obviously thought, thought I was looks okay and stuff. And, and and then we formed the Bible. And the problem was that the other members of the Bible were all, we, they looked like male models. It was really annoying. And so yeah. we, uh, I remember we were being in, it, we were being asked to be managed by um, Miles Copeland's psychic. I forget what his name was. Mm. He took us out for a meal and he was listening to everything and he said. You know, it's such a shame that Neil's not the singer because he's so much better looking. Than oh man, I've that's terrible! That. And now you, you know, I, I was, you, I was only talking about, again. I was only talking now about your beard. I was just talking about your beard. That was all. And just saying that Steve, Steve. The thing Earl. is, the thing is, right? The thing is, Neil's Neil's put on a lot of weight and lost his uh, hair. There you so go, I've, I've won. Uh -huh. You know, there you go. You had him in the end. You know, yeah, I did he? have him in the end. Yeah, yeah. but um, I wanted to talk to you about working with Steve. I'm just looking. I'm just looking for some seasonal work. You know. Okay. <laughs> 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 but um, what what's, what's it like? What was it like working with Steve Earle as a producer? I imagine I that loved, must have been incredible. I love Steel. Yeah. He, he was he was more vibe and stuff. He wasn't so much technical, and he was struggling with um, his. Um, he was struggling with his sort of drug intake at the time, so you'd lose him for mm -hmm. half a day. But I'm still friends. I love him. He's the, he is one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. His brain works quicker than anyone I've ever met before in my life. It's, mm. it's just incredible. Um, but the first meeting we had with him was rather weird because he just, I don't know if you know his story, but he got attacked in a nightclub by a policeman with a nightstick. I don't know if you know that story. He no, was I've got to, his book was, and I haven't read it yet. He was trying to help someone in a in a club who, who was having mm. a heart attack, and he knew a bit of that stuff. Mm. And the, this off-duty policeman thought that he was that Steve was attacking him. Steve's the most gentle person I know. Yeah, so he put a nice stick right in that, and, and so he crushed his throat, and all the all the uh, blood vessels in his eyes burst. Wow. So the first meeting we had with him, we were really nervous waiting, and he comes in, mm. and he hadn't. He just got to the plane. He hadn't had a. He just looked really tall, scruffy. Uh, he felt like that because of the thing like that. And and his both his eyes are completely blood red, like in a horror story. Hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're terrified. But he was, and he's a, but he's a really gentle, brilliant man. And and uh, um, he was really. I remember one time when things weren't going well, and we went. To, we'd gone to the. Um, Meanfield Acoustic Room to watch Nancy Griffith, who, um, mm. a, a brilliant. I used to love the Meanfield Acoustic Room. And I was sitting at the steps at the back with him, feeling a bit worried because things weren't going that well with the label and that. And he put his arm around me and said, you're, all, you're, you're always going to be all right because you're a songwriter. Wow. And he was right. And he's, Thank, thanks, Steve. So, so yeah. we, 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 we ping, we, 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 he writes the short, I get the piss taken out by my friends writing short emails. His, his are amazingly short. You know, you can write this sort of big, big, long thing about what you're doing, and you'll just get K come back. Okay. <laughs> All right. uh, I, 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 anything from Steve Earle for me would be, you know, just in, from the nervous alive would be enough. He wrote, "You belong, you belong to me." You know that one, that song. You belong to yeah, me. yeah. He wrote that on my guitar. Did he? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I love his, uh, his. Ne his Neil, like Neil, Neil's on that album on Copperhead Road. Neil's playing guitar on that. So. Is he? Wow, didn't know that. Yeah, on Johnny Come Lately, that song. Yeah, it's a great, another great track. Um, I wanted to ask you a little, little bit about because we're talking about Steve Earle as a producer there, and, and yeah. you said earlier that you know you, you played a couple of chords. So yeah, write a song for me by tomorrow. So that's mm. kind of uh, an interesting approach. What's your approach to producing when when you're producing stuff? How how do you sort of get the best out of the people you work with? 
shouting, bullying. <laughs> it's much more of that. You create an atmosphere, but it's a much more involved thing. Producing isn't just being in the studio. You 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 find the the venue. You find the 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 cast. It, uh, you it's just a really involved thing. And I, but I am old school in that I don't run the board. If you know what I mean, I don't. I oh, yeah. I, I, I can at a push, but I'd rather work with engineers. So. Hmm. Like working today with Chris Pepper is fantastic. I was just uh, working on just he'd done a remix of a single for the for an artist and stuff, and we talk like that. So, but I will, I will just give my opinion on it, and and so I do it old school rather than because most producers these days are engineers as well. But I think there's a lot to be said for not being the engineer, and so I. I I have partnerships with people who are engineers and I'll bring them the project. I will I will do what's called routining the song, getting it ready to go in the studio, and then and then I'll do work on the aftercare as well. So yeah. uh, it's a very involved thing, but every single artist and every single project is different. So I don't have a I don't have a, a routine because one of my favorite records I produced was made on a mobile phone, you know. So and then I've also yeah. got I've also done albums that have involved orchestras and stuff like that. How the so, hell did you do that? It was say Windows Phone, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. It was Google uh, Android Phone. But the way we did it was we got him to take lots of takes, and then um, he hired in his piano was a bit ropey, so he hired in a nice piano and he would take lots of takes, positioning the phone, then sent them to me and Chris, and then we spent a long time mastering them. A bit like uh, happened with Nebraska, because it was done on a four track that was really, really carefully mastered. So we did that, we did lots of edits. So yes, it was recorded on a phone, but we just made sure it could sound as good as possible. And I love listening to that record because you feel tense almost, like is the, is the take gonna collapse? Because you know it's live and it's done on this little box. So, you know, wow. every project's different. And, and he had given me lots of very amazing demos recorded with Danny and Champions of the World who are fantastic. But just stuck at the end of the, his his demos were these two songs he'd recorded on his phone, and they moved one of them moved me to tears. So I thought, mm. well, let's let's do that. So yeah. you just take each project as it comes, you know. Just uh, just you know, turn a turn a, just never think of doing that. It's just you know, mm. just a really great idea, isn't it? No, I was really very happy with it, and it was, yeah, I was really. Yeah, I think it should always be an adventure. So rather than say, right, this is what's going to happen, we yeah. do this, this, and this. I just right. every everyone everyone has got different sort of thoughts and often it's just getting the person doing what they really want to do because hmm. they'll sometimes think oh i couldn't do that you know um, yeah um of course i suppose that's always going to be that little kind of um, relationship with 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 the songwriter i suppose particularly when you want to come uh, kind of redefine the arrangement and this kind of stuff yeah just like yeah a, you yeah know. yeah that's that's really happened recently with a really a woman I've watched and really liked for ages in Glasgow called Adriana Spinner and she does really lovely folky records but she came to see me here hmm. and said you know what I really like is I, I really like stuff like the breeders and stuff like that and what was this, this was totally brilliant because I said just well come with me and I took her around to Mark Friedgar's studio which is now ours and said he produced the breeders wow so now she's making records with that, that are got aggressive guitars on all that. And that's what she really wanted to do. So mm. for me, it's not about me putting my, I don't like it. People can tell I produce something. I'd rather it's, 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 I have a long conversations with what people really want to do and then try and realize it for them, you know? 
have you have you got I don't know it might be a tricky question have you got a favorite song that you've written for someone else because I know you've worked mm -hmm. with some pretty big names or a song you've collaborated on perhaps with someone else which is the one that you really you know so kind of happy with or proud of there's not that many really the, the ones that I really love and I'm really really like uh I don't know crikey I really like I like the song Belbeth the Candle which is done on in open tuning and then that was the first one and it made me realize what you could do with that and that's been mm. I really I like that one I don't know it's a, I, I I quite often like a song that I don't think anyone's done apart from me it's on a song called White Lily so I find that really moving there's a song there's a whole series of songs I wrote for other projects like that were um that that are, that are for shows or whatever and there's a song called the man that i am that i wrote for a thing called the ballads of child migration and probably the whole album that i wrote with duke special which is called under the dark cloth i'm so that's probably the that's probably the album i'm most proud to have been part of hmm. that and the um burns album those two are probably have, the ones. have you got gold records on the wall i guess have you? I've, got, I've got i've got a gold a silver and a platinum and I in, put them up order. there, yeah. And I put them up there in order so when people come around to write with me to intimidate them, and it works really well. <laughs> <isn't> it? Perfect. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would put you at ease. My missus said I should put them up because I think it's uh, been well, showing off. Got them. Got them. Yes, you know. Let me see. Can you see? Oh yeah. Wow. What's, what's yeah. that? No, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Just about see them there. Yeah. yeah. Um, other other forms of writing. What was the Morgan at forty five thing? That was where you you were writing. Uh, short stuff wasn't it is that right oh yeah that's that's for uh, a, a brilliant art project this guy i don't know him but he paints uh really large paintings of 45 labels of 45 yeah and what was really great is i did your cheating heart and what was really brilliant is they sent me the big print of it hmm. and i haven't seen eddie for ages but she was in your cheating heart the tv program oh yeah so i got it framed up nice and sent it over to her so that was hmm. nice uh, but that was just yeah i like i love writing but i don't get asked to write very often but yeah and, and you're also on that i think a forthcoming um miniatures music album as well <laughs> yeah, yeah that was great the guy called barry lamb asked me to yeah. I, I wrote two songs that, that i really liked that was real fun and i remember that album when it first came out my son's got a track on that as well which is really nice we're going to be on the same record what's your son's uh, um uh, he's called ben ben hewardine he's called Oh, right, okay. I think it's under his own name. I, I, I bet he's also got Simon the Astronauts, and he's also calls himself the Entertainment, but I don't know what he's called himself on this one. But he's, uh, he, he's, his hero is a man called Stevie R. Moore, is that right? R. Stevie Moore? But he's on it as well, and that's his all-time hero, so that was um, so that was nice for him. So I, it's I'm fun at, writing a song for a minute. Have you, did you write Yeah, I, I'm on there. We, uh, I'm on, on the there. <laughs> We're on the same album. <laughs> it's fun. It's really, I can't wait to hear it. It's, and it's really, yeah. uh, it's really fun writing something a minute long, isn't it? Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's quite hard. I mean, a lot of the stuff on there is obviously sort of avant-garde stuff, you know, but to try and get a tune, to try and get a tune into a minute to mean something. Well, I had one that was, that I'd written for my last album and it was, it's one minute six. So I feel a bit disappointed in myself that you accepted it uh but the other one which is a song i wrote for it but he he asked if you could put both on which is really nice but the other one yeah. is called it's called 11:59, and it, it comes in at exactly 59 seconds so wow i'm really looking forward that. to hearing that album it's like 100 100 acts or something crazy isn't yeah, it? you Double say you're album. looking forward to it let's see on song 70 see if, see if it's looking as enthusiastic as you were yeah well <laughs> yeah we're not gonna it's listen. great that he did it because i totally remember mm. when that first record came out and really liking it so yeah 
it's nice when things like that happen. 40th anniversary isn't it yeah on that um and and again then talking about writing uh, of course you, you were involved with the soundtrack quite heavily for fever pitch is that correct yeah yeah that was with neil yeah okay. that, so neil did we did that which was okay that was good but the one that i really liked which i think i put on the wall is 24 7 the um shane meadows film with bob hoskins that was the that was such a thrill doing that one because he was shane was really young and he gave us he gave us total free reign and we made it in a really brilliant way in we had we got a studio and we put big screens around the studio of the scenes that were, music was being set to mm. and neil and i had written like skeletal pieces they were chord sequences with little bits of melody and we had these really great musicians and we gave them this these real sketches and then we sort of said right we're going to make this but you're going to watch it while we, while you play and i love doing that so it's like like yeah. a, perfor a performance whereas every other film music that i've done it's very much to a grid and to a computer sort of stuff mm. so this was total performance and i love it i'm really really happy with that we got lots and lots of work offered to us after that but they wanted to go down this more sort of boring route to be honest and um mm. i withdrew from that and went back to writing songs and neil stayed in that world for another 10 years before he escaped he did some brilliant stuff and he still does stuff in films he did he's uh he, he, he just what's it called wild rose he's he's actually in that he did all the music for that so but i didn't i didn't enjoy that world and it was actually doing the shane meadows film where it felt like a gig rather than uh, than homework that made me realize that i didn't want to do that if they so, could all be like his thing his project i'd, I'd still have done it yeah probably. that does sound that sounds amazingly um creative of course, the thing with Nicole, I've read quite a few Nicolby books. I mean, the obvious one for you to have done would obviously would have been High Fidelity, wouldn't it? With your background. Well, it's based based partly on the shop that I worked in. Cause Is it really? Friend. Wow. Yeah. I thought there had to be a connection. Yeah, there, well, I used to work in a shop called The Beat Goes On, and he used to come in all the time and ask us about questions, like technical questions about reordering and stuff like that. He mentions it in in the book High Fidelity. He mentions coming into our shop because he used to make us play uh buzzcocks going steady singles going steady because he he, he had a su 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 uh, superstition that if we played that in the shop and then cambridge united would win <laughs> didn't we didn't work we lost uh we because i spot that we had 23 games in a row that season so it didn't really work as well as the, i think he'd hoped but he uh yeah he's amazing his, his success is amazing because he was this really nice guy there were four hmm. People. One was uh, another guy who's a writer called Mick Coleman, and then there was me. Who was just I just was younger, and I wouldn't be there all the time. It's basically the three of them. But I would sit with them sometimes in the pub. This guy called Derek, Derek Chapman, who I started a label called Haven with. But I, we all thought Derek was going to be the one to do something. Mm. But he, um, uh, but the, yeah, Nick's Nick's fantastic. I remember standing in Glasgow Station on one of my many visits at Central Station. And in one shot, there was a big poster for About a Boy. In another oh, yeah. shot, there was a big poster for Fever Pitch, the album. And, and, like and, everywhere I looked around, this big, every shop had a new piece of Nick work in it. He, he took yeah. over the world. It was amazing. Um, so yeah, so there are my in in uh, my ch my children <coughs> uh, character names in. I think. I think they're in High Fidelity or Feed for Pitch. I can't remember, but they, they appear, right. their names. Yeah. Cool, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, of course, um, a uh, big big Arsenal fan. It, um, as well. But he, his second team is Cambridge United. Is, I, I don't know if you what, knew what, Out of interest, is that your team, Cambridge? Yeah. yeah. 
because there was a famous match, Tony, you remember this, we're both Cardiff City fans. Yeah, there yeah. was a famous, famous match with Cambridge. Were, were they down to eight players or something? What happened? We all, oh, yeah, we, we I think, I think off, it was... Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm trying to think back. I might even... I think we held on for a draw or something. I might even have been there. I've been, been to Cambridge. Cambridge, yeah, been yeah, the Abbey, yeah, the smallest, smallest ground in the in, in the league. It's t- tiniest, hell of a journey. Yeah, there, there's one, there's, well. there's one, one end. It's called the allotment end, and it's called that because, and it's got, it's just low seating, and and the ball would go over the into, into the allotments. <laughs> into the allotments, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's great, man. <isn't> it? <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of that. Uh, but in in this, just you, you should try and Google this. Or if I can find the link, I'll send you the link. Yeah. It's the most fantastic football commentary you'll probably ever hear. It's almost like um, uh, that, that famous one, you know, um, what's that one when he's going, uh, when uh, was it England beat some country and they were saying, we did this for you and we did that for you. It's a famous kind of rant he goes into. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. About Cardiff City, they're down to eight men and they're playing at Cambridge and, and they managed, I think they I think they managed to hold on for a draw. And he gets mm. almost crying by the end of the, the, of the commentary. It's brilliant. <laughs> wow! We'll I wonder link. which era that was. I wonder. Eighties, Tom was it? Was that John Beck? Was that John Beck, or was that, or was it Ron yeah. Atkinson, or something like that? I, I think it was John Beck. I think yeah. it's going back yeah. quite John a while. John Beck. Well. Used to, my memory's used to, pretty poor on these things. I, 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 my, my friend was the uh, school friend was the financial director there, and he once invited me to go and uh, go, and, go on the director's box. So I thought, well, this is going to be exciting. And I went up there and it was just in the stands, but there was some yellow tape around where we were standing. <laughs> wow. It's a nice idea, wasn't it? I you can so see. Special. felt so special. Um, I thought, I've only got one more question for you, really. Yeah, I'll yeah. have to remember to send you the link to that. Um, yeah, please. But this, this comes from my friend, uh, Colin Flynn. So Colin Flynn's one of my, one of my oldest guys. He, love, he loves your stuff. And mm. he, he's the guy who introduced me, Play Me Cigarette Girls. Yeah. yeah. And um, and he'd actually learnt the chords and everything and played it to me. But he's oh, he very, me. Yeah, yeah, you know. So he's a big fan. Um, and but he's very um, lacks in confidence a lot in in his kind of performance. He's actually quite a decent guitarist. Mm. Um, and he, he hates his voice and all the rest of it. But mm. firstly, he said he'd absolutely let. Like, he lives in Bali, by the way, now. So oh, we're getting us a gig, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd love he'd love to go to one of your songwriting treats. You know, just as yeah. a, uh, on his bucket list, I suppose. Mm. But his question for you and the last question which is quite a, quite a good one i hope is what this this might be about colin he says um what advice would you give to someone who has a thousand ideas and no songs that i okay is is you have to sort of give yourself you have to commission yourself uh, so if I put that in context, so like if I get asked to write from a radio program, someone will say, can you write a song about loneliness or something for a program? So mm. you get commissioned and that a lot of great art has always been commissioned. Someone's asked someone to do it. That doesn't happen with songwriting so much. So what I encourage people to do is think of what you want to say within a set, a set of songs or a suite of songs or an EP album or a gig or whatever, and stick, stick with that. And it will... It, it starts being like a little creative cauldron and as a lot of my friends work that way Pete, uh, Duke Special did with the thing we did uh, Emily Barker who's a friend of mine she always approaches an album like that because you're not trying to write your life in one album you're trying to write a, uh, you're trying to write that album you don't have, every album doesn't have to be Sgt Pepper and as soon as you start giving yourself little constraints it sort of seems to fire off your um, 
your your creative uh, process. So the last album I did, I gave myself the restraint of there are no guitars on my last album. It was all all of it was started with a an, an old instrument called a dulcitone, which used to be made in Glasgow, which is another thing that sort of drew me here, hmm. which is a, a a very quiet sort of keyboard that plays tuning forks, and I. That's how I wrote the whole record on that. And then it's got other instruments on it. But those constraints set me off on sort of lyrical ideas, all sorts of ideas. So if you've got a thousand ideas, just think, why doesn't he so, sort of try and write a, something about a year in Bali or something like that, or write about his, like I did with that album with a, um, American TV on it, write about your childhood or something. As soon as you, as soon as you give yourself context, you're away. And that's the problem with being a songwriter is you're looking at an endless blank page. So as soon as you, you, you do that, it changes. It's like if I, if he was here with me now and I said, right, we need to write a song about sort of a uh, horse racing today, he'd be off, he'd be away he, and he would do it. But when you've got the whole world in front of you, just empty, yeah. what am I going to do? So that was my advice would be to give himself a little project. That's a fantastic answer, actually. Mm. He'll love that answer. But uh, he's um, currently living alone, most mm. quite recently living alone. He's in Bali. It's a beautiful place. Mm. He's seen all these wonderful things, and he's got no one to tell about it. So maybe that's, like I say, a good starting point. Let's tell him yeah. through, through music, you know. Yeah, and just keep it small, because you keep, you keep the room small. Mm. We're naturally rebellious. You push against your constraints. And one of my favourite records I've ever made, which is not so much from the lyrical point of view, musical point of view more, was with Haftis Holt, who I've worked with a few times, a brilliant Icelandic singer. And she came to me and Neil, she'd, got, she'd had a hit and she'd got a big record deal. She said, I don't want to do that. I want to make an album using just children's, children's toy instruments. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite things we've ever done. So he gave us these real constraints. So you have to get inventive. And as soon as you have, uh, have that stuff happens otherwise yeah you're just staring into it up, up at all the stars in the sky forever you know yeah so <laughs> oh, well great i i hope that yeah. inspires him i'd, I'd mm. i just want him to write i want to hear his stuff yeah. yeah just just for you personally um yeah patreon and you know how you're kind yeah. of coping and anything you want to sort of point people towards or... well i'd love people to join my patreon it's a very it's a, you can play as little as you like actually but it's it's just a, every day i put something up and like yesterday i put up a song that i found on an old phone and when i played it it's like it's about 80 percent finished but i was like well, that's really good but it's i play a bum note towards the end but i thought whatever so i mastered it and i'm Put it up there and put a little wrote a little piece about it no people wouldn't hear that otherwise and and the response i had off it was lots of people were saying you're getting texts and emails saying oh, i was really moved by that thank you for sharing it so it's a lovely place where it's not a release but you it's like a curated little thing and i'll put up uh, like two days ago or yesterday maybe or two days ago i found the original artwork for the the bible album when it was re-released and it had all these fantastic sleeve notes and for some reason it never got used in the release so i, yeah. I put i let share that with people so and and some people pay as little as two quid or and then some people are a lot more generous so it's not yeah it really helps a bit of money it really definitely helps but i don't do the tier system that a lot of people do i'm not trying to sell anyone anything it's just a little place and if you if someone can help me that's great but 
And mm. how do they get to that? Is that through the Boo Howardine you, net site? If you, or? Uh, if you just go, if you go to Patreon and put Boo Howardine in, you'll okay. and then it, there's, there's a page where you just you pledge a certain amount every month. But like, so, well, actually, I think my wife pledges a pound a month. So you know, so it's like you can. And she cooks yeah. your food. Yes, she does. That was really nice, by the way. <laughs> she was still selling her cakes, which were fantastic. I would, I would do a little plug for them. Yeah, but she's got a different, different work now. Well, um, yeah, and anything, and you can buy my CDs off my website, and it's mm. my, it's my very. Uh, they're over there, and I'll, I'll put them in the jiffy bag. I'll take them to the post box, and I'll put a lock of my hair in, whatever you like. Or your beard? Yeah, well, no, no, no. <laughs> Don't touch the beard. Look at that. Anyway, Boo, it's been fantastic talking to you. We really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for your Thank time. Thank you. And yeah. uh, hope, hopefully at some stage there might be such a thing as a gig. Maybe maybe we can come and see you play. That'd be lovely, yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope yeah, I can bang on too much. Uh, thanks then. a lot. Thanks, Boo. See you later. Bye-bye. Diolch -bye. am brando i YYFM. Am fwy o gynnwys fel hyn i ddiluniad lein ac i ar y niwbod beth hoffech chi glywed nesaf, Elchi, it's yyfm.com. Thanks for listening to YYFM. For more content like this, to follow us online, and to tell us what you want to hear more of, visit itsyyfm.com.